All right, boys and girls, we got a giveaway going on. The great Logan Pyatt of the Looking Glass Duck Club has donated a hunt five people for the dates of December 7th, 8th, and 9th out here at the Big Honker Lodge. All you got to do, Logan's got a post on Instagram. Share that post to your story. He's got a post. It's on the Looking Glass Duck Club Instagram, so make sure you're following it. Share it to your Instagram story. Tag four friends in the comment section below. And then what you're going to do is you're going to go over to iTunes. You're going to leave a nice review for the Big Honker Podcast. You're going to title it LGDC for the Looking Glass Duck Club. That's the initials of the Looking Glass Duck Club is LGDC. This way we know that you're wanting to get in. And that's how we're going to pick our winner. It's going to go off of those three things. It's going to go off of the Instagram post and your iTunes review. So be sure to get entered for that. Uh, Logan also gave away a cooler not too long ago. Winner for it is Evan Miller 3 on Instagram. Evan Miller. If you're listening to this, get a hold of Logan. He's got a cooler for you. All right. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by the one and only Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. It is not too late. Actually, it is prime time to start looking at this fall and winter. And when you're booking those out, outdoor adventures, waterfowl hunts, please look us up. StanfieldHunting.com. You can call us. You'll even get to talk to Jeff. 940-658-3172. Who answers his own phone. Answers his own phone. The books are open. I don't know. That's one thing that bothers me. When outfitters post on Instagram, the books are open. Motherfucker, the books are always open. Yeah, I've never. If somebody's wanting to send you a fucking check, you're going to take the check. So don't blow smoke up my ass. The books are open for 2020, 2021. Now, Fuck did, off. Now, I did not book some hunts until i mean i got the dates down but i didn't jack with invoices or anything right but they but, act but, like you can't book a hunt yeah you i promise book you a hunt you, whenever they're gonna take your money don't give me that bullshit books don't are, give me that books are open books are open 20 2020 2021 fuck off you can book a hunt anytime of year <laughs> if you want to book a hunt for 2030 i'll sell it to we'll you. sell it to you <sighs> this podcast is also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries, the best silhouette on the market. DiveBombIndustries.com. Dive Bomb Industries on Instagram. They're the best. They're what we use each and every day. Silhouettes, Silla Socks, the way to go. No more full bodies. It's a thing of the past. Go skinny. Think skinny when you think this waterfowl season. DiveBombIndustries.com, and they can hook you up. We're also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. Bismuth hits like a freight train. Turkey season's coming up. You can get the Boss Tom. 410, 28-gauge, 2012. Yeah. Any of of that uh, smaller gauge load. They've actually got a a contest going on. It's a photo contest. uh, It's a 410 challenge. Go get the Boss Tom 410. Roll your turkey up with the 410. Take a nice picture and go to their Instagram. They can explain it to you. But it is a fun little challenge, and it is one that I will be participating in. Got some 410 loads sitting in sitting on the desk over there. BossShotShells.com, and it obviously it's not too late to start stocking up for this waterfowl season. Bismuth hits like a freaking freight train. It's the only way to go. I use it each and every day. BossShotShells.com. We're also brought to you by Lucky Duck. The 2x4 blind is a game changer because most waterfowl hunters are a little bit overnourished. The Lucky Duck 2x4 fits these overnourished guys easily. Four of them. Four of them with plenty of elbow room to spare. Put a heater in there, maybe a little cooker. I don't know what you got going on in your hunts. 
but it's a game changer. So if you're in the market for the best blind out there that a waterfowl hunter can use, go to luckyduck.com and get the Lucky Duck 2x4 blind. They've also got turkey decoys. They're kind of a one-stop shop over there, and they've got some great products. So go look them up at luckyduck.com. We're also brought to you by Pacific Calls. The boys up there know what they got going on. The best spec call that I've ever blown. They've got a hell of a lesser call if you're into that sort of thing. And they've got turkey calls. They've got diaphragms. They've got box calls. Whatever you're looking for, the boys at Pacific Calls can hook you up. Go to PacificCustomCalls.com. Use the promo code BHP25. Save yourself some moolah, some green And you can save 25% at checkout by using our promo code, BHP25. Save some money. Go to Pacific Custom Calls. Get whatever you're looking for for this year. My favorite, the Looking Glass Duck Club, Mr. Logan Pyatt. Who's going to be sponsoring our next big giveaway, which we'll do sometime in May or June. Sometime May or June we'll be doing another one. It'll be a five-man, two-day goose hunt, lodging and meals at the Big Honker Lodge with Logan Pyatt and Andy Shaver. You can't get into the Duck Club, but you can definitely get some nice apparel. They've got a cooler out right now. they got jackets. they got hoodies. And it's all, all of them are the same. They've got the old boy with the scope on his shotgun or rifle <clears throat> trying to shoot those ducks. Love it. Hence the name, Looking Glass Duck Club. Look them up on Instagram at the Looking Glass Duck Club. Pretty simple to find. Last but not least, we're brought to you by the best wine on the market, Texas Wine, William and Chris Wines, and High Texas, Texas Grapes. You're under quarantine, just have them ship you a case of wine. That's right. That's right. Quarantine makes no difference when you're a boozer. You'll figure out how to get it to you. (laughs) They'll ship it to you, williamandchriswines.com. Go through their collection. I'm a fan of the Skeleton Key because I eat a lot of red meat because I'm a fucking American, and that's what you're supposed to do. Red meat and red wine go together, in case you didn't know, Jeff. Uh, That's what I've heard. Yeah. So, Skeleton Key is my favorite. Try them all. You decide. WilliamandChrisWines.com Ladies and gentlemen, we got a good one today. We've got Dirk Sorrells. Uh, He works in shipping at Boss Shot Shells. But his claim to fame is that he is Joe Exotic's tattoo artist. Was Joe Exotic's tattoo artist. The man has lived a life, is all that I can tell you. Uh, from, <laughs> from running cocaine for Burt Reynolds uh, when he was 18 to uh, catering some of the biggest rock stars on the planet to eventually being Joe Exotic's tattoo artist. He's done it all. Great podcast, great interview. Uh, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this one. And, uh, and Carol killed her husband. So, give it up for my man, Dirk Sorrells. Jeff, ready? Flipping your hat around backwards, yep. all sorts of stuff. Game time. Yeah, here we go. All right, three, two, one. 
Boom, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast, brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. Did I get it right? You did. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver, and this one actually is brought to you by Boss. We say that a lot, but uh, the man we got on, we're fucking looking forward to it. Dirk, how are you, my friend? I am doing well, Andy. How are you doing? We're doing great. It's a little warm here in Texas. I don't know how it is up there in Michigan, but... Michigan, yeah, Southwest Michigan. It's been nice. Yesterday it was 70, today it's like 50, you know? It's freaking 95. It's hotter than two mice fucking in a wool sock here. I mean, it's hotter than hell. <laughs> you can keep that. Oh, yeah, it's fucking miserable already. It's not even summer yet. We got, uh, we got some cold weather coming tomorrow. I say cold weather. It's going to be in the 60s, so some nice weather. Yes, real nice weather. Okay, Dirk. Sounds good. Your claim to fame. You work for <laughs> Boss Ammo. You're in the shipping guy. During so, the season. Yes, sir. In season. in season. And you're a tattoo artist. Uh, well, you know what? I was a tattoo artist. I did a decade of it. Um, I've been out of the business for almost eight, nine years now. Um, but, yes, I was a tattooist in the past, and now I uh, work for Boss Shot Shells, and I'm also a bartender. Well, you've got to have some great stories, and we got to jump right in on it. You were Joe Exotic's tattoo artist from The Tiger King on Netflix, correct? That's true. Joe and his crew. <laughs> what a fucking crew. I'm telling you right now. Have Have you seen The Tiger Kings? Have you watched it? I, I did. You know, I'm a Netflix um, guy, you know, in the evenings. I like to catch a show or catch up on something, and all of a sudden I saw it before I knew about it. It was just a couple of weeks ago, right, when it came out. And I looked at my wife and I said, look at this. There's a whole special about Joe Exotic. <laughs> and we quickly dove in. I think we watched the whole season that night. He is <laughs> he is the pride of Oklahoma right now. My good friend Zach Harris, who lives in Hobart, Oklahoma, tells me it's not his cousin, but I think Joe Exotic has to be his cousin, but he denies it. Aren't they all related down there? I think so. I, I, I think so. I th- at least, yeah, they have to be at least third cousins. <laughs> so, so how did you meet Joe? Okay, so we live in this uh, southwest Michigan area, and we've got a little um, mall that's defunct at this point, like everything else. It's mall-orientated in the Midwest. Um, but he would come through. So, okay, let's get back to it. I knew Joe before all of this Carol Baskin stuff, right toward the end of it. When I knew him was right when this all started, and he used to tour malls with a couple of big cats, a handful of cubs, a couple tour buses with crew and animal trainers, and Joe was a magician. <laughs> no, no shit. <laughs> and he would do magic tricks. <laughs> and um, let people pet the tigers and take a picture with the, the baby tigers, the cubs, and from there, uh, that would generate some money. And the whole thing that they really don't get into is that the whole reason this all exists is Joe's brother was killed by a drunk driver a long time ago. Now, I got that from the show. That's what he does. Everything's in memory of his brother, he says. Yep. So the deal was if he started a a living memorial zoo sort of thing. So if somebody was into tigers and they lost somebody in a drunk driving accident, they could set up a cage on this property and pay for the lifetime of a rescued tiger to live its life out in this uh, rescue facility. <laughs> so he would take the babies and a couple tigers and go on tour and spread this magic show. And the whole thing was about don't do drugs and <laughs> don't, and yeah, yeah, don't <laughs> do drugs 
and don't drink and get in the car. So it wasn't so much anything else, just don't get in the car. And it was always to little kids, and you do a magic show, and then you hold up one of the cubs at the end and have all the kids, you know, make this little tiger a promise that they'll never drink and drive. <laughs> don't don't drink and drive, don't suck dicks, and don't uh, do math. Yeah, it should have been yeah. his motto. So, so the funny thing is, is I I assumed at the time that it was just that they were just a bunch of misfits, and there was no drinking and driving, but they were just all fucking each other. <laughs> So they were all I just, tell you what, they were all flaming homeless. Go ahead. We closed the shop. So this went on for about five years. We met him through this mall thing, and we have a town with the mall. And uh, he came in years ago and wanted to get a tattoo and check this out. And somehow we all got along. So what he did is that was the only place in the United States that he would get tattooed or allow his crew to get tattooed. So uh, they toured about well over 300 days a year. They run tour almost every day of the year for many years. So over the course of five years, they'd come through, they'd close our shop for three or four days, and we would tattoo the whole crew for them throughout that three or four days. They had a night crew that was working on animals, a day crew that was working with the mall kids. So it just became this thing that every time Joe would come through, you could count on closing the shop for a few days, him bringing 15 guys through the shop, all to get tattooed. Not one of those people was responsible to pay for it or to negotiate a price. You just wrote it down, and Joe would pay for everybody's tattoos at the end of it like a carny boss. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd throw a tip on it, and the whole place smelled like butt sex and ass. <laughs> you know, everybody in Oklahoma said he stunk. He said they stunk, man. Well, if you're living out on the road, you know, you're on the road for 300 days. There's fucking showers in every hotel. Uh, are they staying yeah. in hotels? Are they staying in hotels? Or are no, they like in like no, caravans? No, they were staying in the buses. It was a, it was oh. a caravan. It was a sideshow, you know? Oh, Jesus. So, I bet they smelled it was terrible. So, oh, my God. Did you know both of his husbands? I knew uh, the two. I knew John Finley. The one that had the no teeth, and now he's got teeth now. Boy, he's fu- he was fucked up. He, when you looked at him, you didn't know whether you smiled at him or kick a field goal. Oh, it was scary. Yeah. yeah, and he was Joe's main squeeze. That was Joe's love, huh? Yeah, that was Joe's main squeeze. And then Travis is the one that took his life. Right. He's the one yeah. he, when he, when, at his funeral, he talked about his golden nuggets, about his balls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> what a classy what. funeral. So I'm telling you, it's a Florida thing, right? But they were in, or it seemed like a Florida thing, but they're in Oklahoma, so I don't know what to think about Oklahoma anymore. <laughs> so, did you do the tattoo on the 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 old Gap Tooth guy, Michael Strahan on crack that got them fucked up teeth? Did you do his tattoo that said Joe's property or something on it? Property of Joe, yeah. Property of Joe. Yes, I did. That's how I told. I was talking to Brandon Sarecki today at Boss, and I was telling him that's where I learned to tattoo a guy right down by the dick without touching the dick. What? Okay, okay. So where, where? So he's. So, I've not seen. Okay, full disclosure. I still have not seen Tiger Kings. I'm one of the only ones because we don't have Netflix. It's a whole story. Where's this tattoo at? Right on his. Okay, so if you went right above your. Uh, Dick. Your package down there on, what do they call that? Uh, 
Well, your muffin top, you know? Okay, right okay, okay. Guy right on his yeah. lo- lower abs, and it said, on the belt line, property of Joe. Oh, my goodness. And the so, motherfucker never wore a shirt. It, he never wore a shirt, it, ever. No, but he wore a hell of a lot of WWF wrestling belts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you... They, s- don't, they don't show that, but that mother... He walked around with a wrestling belt on most of the time. Why? He thought he was a wrestler? Because it was cool. <laughs> There's some fucking you gotta, dudes. You gotta understand, these people were something else, man. So have you seen We're the Millers? It's like Boner Garage. There's a stripper, and she's got Boner Garage right above her her yeah. vagina. With yeah, a, that's a good one, right? Yeah, so so that's where he had Joe's pro- property of Joe. You got it. Oh, my so, God. So I have to, I'm looking at this, and to be a tattooist, you use two hands. You're, I'm right-handed. <laughs> Right, I'm right-hand dominant, so I'm a right-handed. That's where you'd hold the machine, and your left hand, you have to stretch the, the skin. skin with. Right. Because you need a tight, tight piece of hide right there so the needle penetrates. So you have to use left hand to stretch up and down with your, like, middle finger and thumb, and then your right hand, you're using your palm, pulling away, and drawing with it. <laughs> so, and when you're in that area, I somehow have to plant my elbows <laughs> Set my palms down, stretch this area out, all without touching the dick. <laughs> and that dick, you know where it's and been. I must have looked at this for about ten minutes before I figured it out, and then I just took a big hardbound coffee table book and set it on top of the person <laughs> on their lap, and then you just put your elbow on it. You could avoid touching the dick. <laughs> oh, boy, God, that's got to stink like a motherfucker. Oh yeah, because you're oh. right. You're right. Oh. You're all up in it. Oh. No, and I tell you what, you guys don't know the half of what was going on with that. So this whole show was about uh, mainly the people at the ranch down in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe, Travis, and that was about all of the people from down there I knew. And that was his, like, first brigade. That was the A-team down there. The ones on the road, that was a whole different ball game. So, these guys toured all the time. There was a crew of Joe and John and Travis, the three, the three-way team. <laughs> a couple bus drivers. Uh, one of the bus drivers toured with his wife. And then probably 10 or so uh, deckhands or, or carnies, you know, that kind of took control of the show, took the money, kept the crowds moving, cleaned the animals. Clean the cages. So, I think he probably only left Oklahoma City with about five people. And by the time he did a year and came back to where he started from, he probably got home with about 20 of them. <laughs> he just picked somebody up at every stop? Up. Yes, dude. Oh. He would get to these defunct old malls, and some kid would come over there with his mom you know, who wheelchaired herself in there, and this poor kid had a lion shirt on, and this is really neat, Mr. Exotic. I wish I could work with tigers. And next thing you know, there's 19-year-old boys on the bus, man. And they toss these kids around from one end of the country to the other. And some of them might have known what they were getting into, but I think some of them caught wind of it a few weeks down the road, you know? (laughs) (laughs) How much would he pay these guys? I think they were only making a couple hundred bucks a month. You paid them in dick and meth. Dick and meth. Yeah, food. food and tattoos. And 
and tattoos, obviously. Yeah, man. You would tell Joe, he's like, well, I did these 10 tattoos, Joe, for so-and-so. The total, you know, $3,000. He'd never negotiate a price with you, and he would tip. And I was like, and he'd write one check for everybody for all the days. And he's like, I'll just take it from their check. <laughs> he must have been making some jack then off that deal. And he didn't, he didn't, they didn't get tattooed anywhere else in the country. So they'd wait and twice a year, they'd think about it all six months and they'd show up where we're at and get tattooed. So you just hit it off with these guys and that's, that's yeah, how it just worked out. It just worked out. What, which one? Of all the tattoos that you did on these people, what's the craziest one that you did? Was it Property of Joe, or was there something else? It's the bullet holes tattoo that Joe has where we did. Tell the story on that, then. Okay. So this this is okay. So this is before Facebook, before all that. There was a there was MySpace back then, man. And I even went to try and pull up my MySpace to see if I had any pictures of these guys. And it was still, my portfolio from that time was like film camera uh, prints, you know. So it was a little early on, so there's not a lot of all this stuff going on. But, uh, so you weren't in everybody's business back then. Um, They shared a lot of that road business, though, with us. Mm. Um, But he showed up toward the end there, and he was having problems with this lady who kept trying to shut him down, and she would call all of the malls and call PETA and try and get Joe shut down. And, he, you know, he was right then, you know, this is, what, 10 years ago probably, that fucking, this fucking bitch, this fucking bitch, that. And Carol Baskin wasn't a name that would ring a bell back then, you know, is it some lady that's causing this buddy of our Joe <laughs> some fucking <laughs> headache, right? So he had lost a few mall gigs. This was getting toward then. He was really fucking pissed and he wanted five bullet holes. I think it was five, maybe six of them across his whole chest from the clavicle, you know, down across the rib cage and a couple in the abdomen. And they were fresh looking and, you know, had blood drips tattooed on them. But when they were done, they were also very fresh and bloody, if you know what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. So right when he got done, he took had one of his boys take pictures of them on the ground playing dead, <laughs> and then posted a bunch of pictures of it online saying how Carol Baskin tried to kill him <laughs> and had him shot, and they played it up for a couple days. Like, you know what I mean? There there was not a – they just kept posting pictures of it, and John would say that his lover Joe was in the hospital dying, and Carol tried to kill him, and she <laughs> had him shot at, and all this other shit. <laughs> fucking bitch Carol Baskins. That's fucking bitch. Now we have Corona. <laughs> What'd it go from thanks, Obama? Yeah. To <laughs> yeah. Fucking, fucking Carol. Fucking Carol. So, so um, the, you, you knew both of the husbands then. Now, on the show, I, both guys say they weren't gay, but I, if you suck a dick, you're gay in my book. So, just oh, it's the bridge builder theory. Yeah, they were <laughs> gay as the day. John Finlay is gay as the day is long. The other kid, Randy, I guess if you caught him on another place, you would never know him as being gay. But, man, what's going down on those buses, my friend, was anything but straight. (laughs) (laughs) Did they have any women that worked there? There was a couple of them. Um, One was a driver's wife that toured with them, and she knew the whole thing was going on. I think she'd get in the room, and her and her husband would fuck or something (laughs) while all this was going on. I think this was just a big rolling orgy. I'm sure of it. (laughs) They would talk about it in the shop. It would be like that kid over there that we picked up in Des Moines, Iowa. 
you know that one he uh we've been tossing him around man he's quite the ride and i was more exposed <laughs> to these fucking guys than you, you ever wanted to be exposed but at the same time it was like a train wreck you couldn't you wanted to be on you know i think that's why it's so it's, popular <laughs> it is it's just a fucking train wreck for was it three episodes shit it's like yeah eight yeah yeah i mean it stunk so bad <clears throat> and they they uh, i mean all my kids would have pictures taken during the day with all the animals, and that was cool. You could go down and take your kids in to see, uh, have them hold tigers and stuff, and then, you know, behind the scenes, you could get with the bigger cats. You got and with some big cats? Yeah, yeah. Yep, a couple times. What, what's that like? Man, even when they're small, they're too much to handle. That's a vicious killing machine. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, like, playtime with those things is unlike anything else. Um, Probably in about three or four months, even, they're 30, 25, 25 pounds, mm-hmm. I'd imagine. And that's too much for you to really play with. They're sharp as can be. Every little nail and tooth on them is sharp, sharp, sharp. And they're strong. And those little nails are like hooks. And the only thing they think of that's play is like trying to get around your back and up on the back of your neck to bite you. Oh, fuck, fuck that. Mm. So the whole time, if you're sitting, sitting Indian style, and start with it on your lap, it's, it's around your abdomen, up your back, under your armpit, and you all you can do is try and fight it continuously and pull it, it's hooked out of you. Oh, and God. after that, by six months, you really can't fuck with those animals like that unless you're a trainer or in there with a trainer. And I've spent short amounts of time with a couple of the big ones. Were, were, um, were you nervous? Going in with the big cats? I was. I was. But I think once I got in there, you're just kind of in awe, and it's amazing. You know what I mean? So you let your guard down pretty quick, I think, until they grumble or some shit, and then you just hit <laughs> yourself and run out of the building. You know, uh, I think that's what the main problem with this whole thing is with all these cat fuckers is they they raise the babies because there's people want to play with them, but then yeah. when they get six months or something, they start putting them to sleep because they're too big to yeah. do anything with now the guy, the other dude, everybody I've noticed from that show that's a cat person is a weird motherfucker. From the guy that was cat. the guy that murdered the cop or whatever it was in Florida that spent eight years in prison to that goofy yeah. son of a bitch that that with the mullet and the, that had fourteen wives there and shit. Yeah, what about that? And those women, they just fall for that guy, you know. And and you you got to do this. Gay dude. Yeah. Just well, here's the deal. It's like a cat, dude. You know a 30-year-old guy who lives by himself and has a cat? <laughs> Tony? Yeah, my brother. He also <laughs> he, he, he an- he went to the zoo one time. He told me he got to see the animals, got a hand job, and fed some, cro- uh, some crocodiles or something, so I didn't know. They had the best, they had the best glory holes in the uh, south there. <laughs> yeah. Was the lady with the one arm, was she ever around? No, but what a tenacious woman, huh? Or oh. stupid. Yeah. Uh, Everybody can use one of her on their team. <laughs> yeah, no shit. She took it for the team. Right. My goodness. Um, yeah, what a wild time. So, yeah, that was crazy, crazy stuff. And every once in a while, I have to call a friend and be like, hey, Joe's coming in next week. You have to make a few hours to come in. And just, I'm like, don't just pop in and out and look and go, man, this is something that crawled out from, <laughs> I don't even know, God knows where these people came from. And what it is, they came from all over the country, and it's every fairgrounds, worst nightmare kid jumps on this fucking bus to pet a tiger and ends up in a whole different place. 
Oh. Um, are you ever worried about like like you know cooties or anything like that? AIDS and shit, shit like venereal yeah, diseases. Yeah, I was worried about it back in, back in then. I was worried about uh, you'd always worry about that a little bit, but you, it took transmission, you know. So you'd have to bloodborne, right? Blood to blood, blood you, to blood. You so, would you have know, to be cut. We were practicing really safe techniques and um, all of that, but. I think it took a special group of people to even want, like me and my partner at the time, to even want to deal with these folks. I think was probably half the reason they decided they come to us every time because we took care of them, we made money off of them, and uh, closed down the shop, and they got their way. You know, with uh, good work, and they could be themselves, and we just ran with it. You know, we'd make loot on those weekends, man. Those were really, like you'd look forward to them because it was like you'd stock up a little bit. Would would he come in with a different set? I mean, I mean, I'm sure the core group of guys were the same, but would he come in like? Would there be a bunch of different people each time, or when every he, time, every, every time, time. yeah, it, it was. And then the core guys would tell you about the guys they picked up along the way. <laughs> God Almighty, some poor They'd old tell bastard. Us about you know, tell us about how wild this young boy was that they could pass around. God, I might imagine some poor confused. And you look over at your partner yeah. and be like, "What the fuck?" You know, yeah. and uh, just go, "Okay, well, this is the story for today, my friends." Some poor kid. You know, just, yeah. Go ahead. Joe, J- Joe and John, Joe Exotic and John the Toothless Wrestling uh, <laughs> Man. They had a baby. <laughs> what? No, yeah, who? they had baby little Ricky. Little Ricky was a little spider monkey. <laughs> Do what now? <laughs> yes, sir. Joe and, and John had a Jeff, baby. Did you hear me? I'm, 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 spider, I'm trying to a fucking spider monkey baby. He's processing their baby. Oh, okay. okay. If you're gay, man, you yeah, can't that's, have baby. Yeah, no, no, I understand that part. I'm just trying and to process. And they didn't want to tour with a real human baby because it'd be too much. I think so. They couldn't adopt. Mm-hmm. So they got a little baby spider. It was a baby fucking monkey, little Ricky. <laughs> little Ricky, <laughs> yeah, cutest fucking thing you ever saw. Ran around with a diaper, but a baby monkey is like tenfold more clingy than a baby human. Really, you actually carry this thing around with it all the time. They're on you all oh. of the time, and they're really needy. They're, you know, they're little monkeys, man. They're primates, right? So was, was, and so they carry this fucking monkey around. That was pretty cool, I must say. My <laughs> wife and I really enjoyed when Ricky would come around. When Ricky could, would come was, around. <laughs> yeah, little Ricky, man. Baby baby Ricky, bro. <laughs> and John's the one that, that has the gap in the teeth that wears yeah, the wrestling match, the, wrestling, the belts. wrestling belts. Yeah, yep. He was real proud of that belt, my friend. So who who was the primary caregiver of little Ricky? Was it John or Joe? John. John, John had the, John. John had little Ricky all the time. Now, you know, yeah, John. I mean, Joe is a strong personality, you know. <laughs> yeah, but Joe, you know, I imagine John was a bitch. Yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right. How would that threesome work out? Who was the Who was the bottom ladder there? I don't know, but you know, Travis is a handsome dude, right? Come yeah, on. he's not a bad looking guy. The pictures that I've uh, seen, every day, like a uh, boy next door, country boy. Yeah. They took the wrong path. How did he get wrapped up in that? Uh, Sounds like by Joe's mouth, it sounds like to me. (laughs) It's not an accident. So how how many years did you get to see little Ricky? 
Little Ricky came in on probably the last couple of years that he would come around. And uh, he would, Ricky would come into the shop that, you know, we didn't bring any of the other animals in the shop. The shop, they would park one bus at the shop. And then at the mall, they'd leave um, a bus and the animal bus. And at night, when the mall closed, they would go in and maintain. And so we had 24 hours that people would be in and out of the shop. The night crew would come in during the day and flip-flop. And shit, I probably am eight blocks away from where the tattoo shop is, where my home is. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my wife about it the other night. And she's like, sometimes you guys would just like take turns and sleep in the your office, close the door, and wait for the next thing rather than even come home. We get a couple hours of sleep over the course of a few days because we just take it as take as many clients as we could and do as much of this work as you could because they were only there for a few days and Joe would pay and tip. The check always cleared, and there was a new one the next day. How many guys, <clears throat> excuse me, how many guys were doing the tattooing? Was it just you and another guy, or were there several? Me and another guy. There was this guy, JT, um, JT Webster, and he, him and I were the only people that tattooed those guys for a long time. That's a lot. That's And you go three days straight. That's a lot. Yeah. It was like yeah, Christmas for y'all then. That was a big money deal then. Yeah, it was big money. That's what, I mean, you just grind it out because it was the big money. Those didn't come across very often. I've had a few times where people would just book a month or this. Is, actually, I saw one of them today, uh, NBA superstar Wilson Chandler. Ill okay. Will. He was, uh, he was, he ended up, he was Nuggets and the Knicks, and in between I tattooed, shit, 70% of this guy's torso from his fingertips to his beard. And uh, I bumped into into him today at at the beach in our hometown on Lake Michigan, of all things. He hasn't spent time here very often, and he was like, man, New York and Detroit are fucked up, so I don't want to be in any of the big cities, and he's got one of his baby's mamas who lives in (laughs) Harbor over here. So he decided to ride the COVID out (laughs) over here in southwest Michigan. I bet you're appreciative of that, bringing his New York cooties. To, yeah, right. Yeah, to Michigan. Yeah, he was like he played in China back in the day. He was part of that China league when uh, they went free trade. So, fucking the torso and all the way up to the, that's got to be a painful bitch. All the way, all the way in the front and back of his neck, all the way up into his hairline, and oh. if you went to the top of your beard line. That's got to like, be painful as shit. That fucking that tender meat. Oh, the throat, the Adam's apple or something. Ooh, Ooh fuck that. <laughs> how many Just tattoos? Vibrating. How many tattoos do you have? Uh, both of my arms, my chest, parts of my legs. I don't know. Maybe, you know, a good portion, fifty percent of myself, most of my upper body. Now, Brandon. He he called me today and he said yeah. that you most of your leg is tattooed from a bachelor party of yours. That's true. What <laughs> what you do? <laughs> well, I had a bunch of my friends obviously at the bachelor party and they got a limousine and we went all over southwest Michigan into the distilleries and drank a bunch of whiskey and I've always had a thing for people that I've uh, tattooed a lot of really close friends that might come in the country or from another state, and I would tattoo them. Um, it always meant a lot, and it wasn't so much the tattoo. It was me sharing that process and the time with them. Mm-hmm. 
So he came up with this wild idea that it wasn't the result of the tattoo that mattered. It was the process getting it. And that and they were all going to tattoo me that night in the shop. And granted, none of these guys are artists. <laughs> none of these guys are tender. None of them are able to do this or have ever done this. And everybody was drunk on whiskey except for the driver of the limousine. So we ended up at my tattoo shop one night on the bachelor party, and I ended up with pretty much my whole left leg covered with uh, tattoos from some of my best friends in the world, right? What'd they draw? Well, okay, let's see. One put a bicycle on there. <laughs> bicycle looks okay. <laughs> uh, looks pretty good. It's missing... Uh, I think it's missing a bottom tube from the crank to the rear wheel. So it's missing a piece or two. <laughs> There's a, a, what the fuck were those candies? The, how many licks to the center? Oh, blow Tootsie Pop. Yeah, Blow Pop. Tootsie Pop. has a, uh, the owl from the Tootsie Pop. They all got to choose the tattoos, too. And half of the reasons, I don't remember why. <laughs> uh, There's... A thing that looks like a sound wave, but it goes from flat to different progressions of waves to like a surfing wave. There's a trucker girl, mudflap girl with a peg leg, but with a peg I leg. think if I didn't tell you that, you might think it was like a flamingo. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, it's pretty fucked up. So, so or these... a dinosaur, maybe. It might be a dinosaur. So the owl from the Tootsie Pop, it doesn't look anything like the owl, I'm assuming. The owl looks pretty good. The trucker girl's rough, though. <laughs> trucker girl's rough. Then what else do we got here? We've got a killer whale with a narwhal horn on it. <laughs> so that, that came from somewhere. There's a little sailboat that has some lettering on it that I have no idea what it says. <laughs> uh, there's a tooth. A like a human mole, a molar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I woke up with it, and did, did I wear I wear a lot of long socks. Yeah, that's a hell of a story, though. I've never heard nobody doing that. A, ta a bachelor party tattoo. Did you bleed? No. Did you bleed yeah. a lot being drunk uh, on whiskey? You know, that's. I think that's more of a that's more of a myth than a reality. Is it? Yeah, I think. Uh, I think that all started out as a reason, like the excuse to just tell people we can't do it, because generally what happens is people make bad decisions when they're drunk. A couple, yeah. They can't fucking sit still. They talk too much, <laughs> and they got to get up and piss every 20 minutes. <laughs> so the tattooist doesn't want to fuck with those people. And so I think back in the day, in the good old hard days on the East Coast, when uh, this was all coming about, they just said, made an excuse that sounded like it was better for you not to do it because i've tattooed a lot of drunk people <laughs> what's the uh, most what's the weirdest tattoo you've ever done man you know they're all a little weird for some reason or another um even the ones i have i mean people put marks on their body for whatever reason is strange and i get that question a lot and i always have a real difficult time answering it. if you ever ask me what was the wildest time you had a deal when these guys of fucking sad caravan came through with their tigers? <laughs> did you, you know that would be, you know that would come up, but what's the weirdest tattoo I ever did? Um, fuck. I had a guy in Vegas tell me one time that he was a tattoo guy, that he'd done some flames coming out of a girl's asshole. 
Oh, boy. I'd stay away from that. Okay, I know. I know one. This one always caught me off guard. So the young couple comes in. They're probably in their early 20s, late teens. Fucking model-looking couple right off the cover of GQ and Cosmo or something. And just as well-spoken as could be, not the type of people you just generally see wandering through the tattoo shop. And they walked up. And uh, I was tattooed, and I put my put my head up. I said, what can I do for you guys? And she goes, I want to get tits in my mouth. And she looked up at me, and she goes, I want to get balls in my mouth. And I'm like, I have no idea what you guys are fucking talking about. And she goes, they repeated themselves. I want tits in my mouth. And she goes, I want balls in my mouth. And they wanted the words tits and balls tattooed on their inner lip, the mm. inside of their bottom lip. Ooh, fuck, mm. it's got to hurt like And animal. she got balls tattooed on the inside of her bottom lip, and he got tits. Now, oh, that's somebody's fucking daughter, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously. And you just go, okay, it'll be $75, and I'll see you back here in one hour, okay? Hmm. How, what, what, uh, that's got to be excruciating. How hard is it to like get them to sit still through that? That was pretty difficult. That that skin area, mm. you just can't produce a great tattoo out of it. And you tell the people like the result of this is awful. It'll just be sketchy letters, and nobody really does a great job on it. And a lot of artists, tattoo artists, would pass up on it, saying, "I do an art form. We're just not here to star people," you know. Right. But uh, you could get away with putting a letter or two, but you're not going to make anything fancy out of the deal. Well, and I've always heard that a tattoo there will um, wear out wear out over time, kind of like the palm yeah, of your hand. Do. I think they do. Cause Luckily, I, when I was doing I didn't get myself any major hand or face or neck tattoos. You know, I could put on a long sleeve button down and go about my business. Yeah. Because I guess you know. they say Jesse James has a tattoo in the in the palm of his hand that says "Pay Up, Sucker," and he yeah. he has to get that done redone maybe all the time, all the time, just because yep. the skin erodes. It's callous skin, right. on the hand, and the calluses wear off and replenish and wear off and replenish. Have you ever done but the lip? The lips like a mucus membrane, you know. So yeah, do the same thing. So, um, have you ever done the palm of anybody's hand? Yeah, I've done it. We live in Michigan, so we all use the palm of our hand as a map. Yeah, yep. For the lower peninsula. So, I live here, I live there. Mm-hmm. And there was a trend going around where you'd tattoo, like, a little heart or a star of where people's hometown was. Like, home is where the heart is. <laughs> and they would get a little thing like that. And uh, I don't think I did too many of them. I was one of those guys that erred on the side of not letting people make mistakes sometimes. Right. Where you'd be like, hey, this isn't a good idea, and they'd try and push it, and you'd just be like, I'd rather just pass on this. You could maybe find somebody else to do it, you know? And really, being in a smaller town or in a tight community, you didn't want something that a year from now would look shitty, mm-hmm. and then have to make excuses for it later on. Somebody would see, like, oh, I saw that palm tattoo, it wore off a lot, and you'd be like, oh, well, Palm tattoos wear off a lot, and this is a thing, and you sound like a douchebag having to explain yourself, so you just skip it and keep on rolling, man. Right. How big of a town do you live in? Um, I don't know, whatever you... 
20,000, not even probably 10,000 people. Oh, okay. So yeah, you, you've got a, if you're a tattoo guy, you got to make sure your reputation's on the up and up. Correct. Correct. And, uh, with that being said, this was before all the tattoo shows. Yeah. So, um, I got out of the business right when all those shows started coming out about that year. Um, after that first year of it, it kind of first or second year of all those tattoo shows, that kind of changed the business a lot. Um, and I don't think it was good for business, so the, I got out of it. The tattoo shows weren't good for business, right? How so? Um, well, beforehand, we had people who were into tattoos getting tattoos. Mm-hmm. It was a subculture, you know. It was their thing, and then. All of a sudden, a TV show comes out, and it looks cute, and it becomes this cutesy thing, and everybody's 18-year-old in the world is getting a little anchor or a little star or a little infinity, and you just got beat up by little tiny tattoos on chicks and dudes Mm -hmm. um, because everybody had to have one, and they were all a picture off of Pinterest (laughs) that somebody else already had. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, everybody wanted to be a tattooist. So we went from a couple shops in this area. One was an old biker shop, like an old biker shop. The guy died naked, blew his heart up over cocaine in a hotel lobby out here. You know, he's an old, <laughs> hard biker. Holy um, shit. And another one was, you know, so it's kind of rough and stuff, but it's a different time, you know. And then all of a sudden, this became a thing. Everybody who thought they were an artist or were artists, you know, and maybe before it was a little taboo for them to tell their parents they wanted to tattoo or something. And then it became so mainstream that you went from two or three shops within 60 miles of you to 20 of them. Right. And most of them stuck. Most all of them stuck and they still do. And they, uh, then you're in a price negotiation fucking game. So a girl comes in, she wants a little anchor on her wrist. Well, her shot minimum is 50 bucks. Well, I can get it down the road at 30. Well, get the fuck out of here and get it down the road at 30. <laughs> and uh, then they come back two days later and want to get it fixed or covered up, and then you tell them it's $200, and they would look at you like you're an asshole, and you were being an asshole. You were like, well, yeah. But it got out of it. It was the wrong time. I, I think a lot of the old-timers got out of it, and they were just over it. So I consider myself kind of an old-timer in that game. Well, you know, like you said, though, this there was a culture behind tattoos. And then when these right. tattoo shows came up, everybody had to have at least one or two little ones. And there, sure. there was something lost whenever it mm-hmm. went mainstream. Yeah, and even big, you know, guys on their Harleys would come in, but they would open up, they'd open up their phone and show you a picture of somebody else's tattoo right. on Pinterest right. and say, I want this, this looks cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, it looks fucking cool on that dude. Right. So it just changed the industry, and it was time. I bounced around a lot. I enjoy uh, getting into it, figuring it out, kind of moving on. So go to the guy that blew that heart exploded on cocaine. What? What is that? <laughs> that was Rick Hamlet, man. He was this old. So okay, St. Joseph Benton Harbor. We're in a we're in a real strange little part of the country. Um, statistically, um, we're in a, one of the most racially divided areas in the country. Um, and it's divided by a river. It's one of the top steelheading rivers in the country, the St. Joe River. It's the river that flows um, 
south to north, too, which is uh, pretty rare on the northern hemisphere. Um, one side of that river is 95% black, the other side's 95% white. And there's two bridges, and there's been books written about it called, you know, the t- Two Bridges, Two Cities or something, a bunch of stuff. It's, a, it's a, just an abnormal thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, Rick had this uh, house on Pipestone Avenue over in the hood, and he was an old 70s biker hippie, and his house was painted like tie-dye, and he could go in there and get a tattoo in his kitchen, and he had a shop in his front room. And the day I turned 18, I was born in 72, so the day I turned 18, I skipped school and sat at Rick Hamlet's chair and got my first tattoo. What was it? What was your first tattoo? <laughs> it was a little phoenix about the size of a silver dollar on my bicep, man. <laughs> it was so small. and But then back then it was a different time, man. Any tattoo, it didn't matter. It was, you know, it was tough, right? Right. So, yeah, for sure. And then throughout the years, that area became like a crack hot spot when the crack kicked off through the 90s. And uh, Rick just succumbed to the crack epidemic in that hood. You know, people would come in and trade him crack for tattoos. And then he started using, and then he was using heroin. Then he went to prison, and then he got out and went to those things back in the day we had called holodomes. It was like a courtyard hotel inside with a pool facing all the rooms. Mm-hmm. And they'd be pu- and he went to the holodome just down the road there in Benton Harbor and somehow ended up in the fucking lobby naked dead in front of everybody like running through there he died of a heart attack all cracked up damn jesus so tigers tattoos tigers and tattoos i was talking to my wife um my wife michigan law forever was the end of the 18 to get tattooed whether you until just recently you could be under 18 but over 16 had parental consent right so you could go to gary indiana shithole capital of the planet. <laughs> well, that's shithole capital of fir- first world countries, right? Yeah. Uh, you have to be first world, but it's still a shithole. Um, <laughs> Home of Michael Jackson. You could take, yeah, Michael Jackson and 40-year-olds who marry 17-year-old girls. <laughs> so, anyhow, Gary Indiana, <laughs> Gary, Indiana was, uh, you could go there at 15 with a parent and get a tattoo. At 15? At 15 years old. Damn. Back in the day. So my wife was 15 and somehow got her mother, who was a, wouldn't wouldn't assume that it wasn't that kind of family. Her mom was a local high school teacher. It just, whatever. They ended up down at this place called, you can all look it up, Roy Boy Tattoos in Gary, Indiana. And Roy Boy had a tiger. Roy Boy had a bear. Roy Boy had a mullet. Roy Boy was probably 350 pounds of world gin gold dripping sweat. (laughs) And a gold ring on each finger. And a cigarette boat. And a Corvette. And a young wife. (laughs) I'm looking at him right now. I'm looking looking at a picture of Roy Boy. (laughs) You see him? (laughs) Yeah, like Smokey Rath. The fucking monster, right? Uh, and so anyhow that guy just died a few years ago 64 years old Roy boy he was a tattooist forever 
And about 10 years ago or so, he got all his tigers taken, too, because I think they were actually kind of getting neglected at the point toward the end. I wonder if him and Joe Exotic ever crossed paths. I don't think so, man, because why wasn't he stopping at Gary, Indiana and getting these tattoos done by another tiger lover back in the day? Roy, Roy Boy might not like to play the gay game, though, and he might not have went for that. That's true. Roy Boy looks scary. Doesn't he, though? And he was a he was an outlaw biker, too. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think Joe Exotic's going to fit in there. Yeah, that's, that's why Joe didn't go there. So, Joe was all about yeah. getting all the press that he got. So, yeah. you know, he sang, he did the country music videos and all that stuff. And the, the most famous time in his life is right now, and he's locked up in prison. And now they think he's got corona now. But they talked yeah. about him on the president's press conference today. Someone did asked. Did you see him when he ran for president? Yeah, but then he ran for governor, and he got 20% of uh, the party vote there in Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had done 300 uh, days worth of messages to donald trump on his way in when he was going against him in the presidentship and it's all on youtube oh I and bet. it's fucking funny i bet donald trump was like who is he did what now so he he ran he against ran trump for president yeah. yeah ran against trump and every day for the year building up to it his campaign he filmed a video with a message to donald trump and the american people and just would get online and rant and Walk around with that stupid limp and cane with a sidearm strapped <laughs> to his knee. One, one, one of them he did it was like, I suck dick and that's not normal president or something. And I'm, yeah. God, I'm running. And I'm a red blooded American that takes a good, hard, warm, juicy dick all day long and I'll do it better <laughs> than the next guy. So y'all better step back because I'm ready to fight the fight that's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Did. He was proud. So did he? Did he, when he tell you? I didn't know people like that existed, man. <laughs> I thought you were gay or a fucking redneck. I didn't know that they came together <laughs> in such a magical way. <laughs> Twice a year, you got yeah. to see it all. So we're, like these husbands of his, the one kid was from California because I saw the show. The toothless one, where did he fucking come from? I think he was from Oklahoma, down there by that ranch. I think they go back. That's why he was. That's why he was the number one. That's yeah, and he was gay as the day is long. I actually tried to reach out to him and any of those other people a while. Just like since this came out, I was like, let's just see if I get any bites back, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, John's got a Facebook page. The truth about John Finlay is the name of his Facebook page. And uh, I sent him a message and was like, hey, it's Jerk from the Tattoo Shop in Michigan. You guys always stop. And he's like, hey, man, what's going on? And I just relayed, you know, I was just ch- just can't believe what I'm seeing on TV, man. It's just good memories thinking of you guys coming in the shop and all that. I was just checking to see how you are, you know, kind of fishing around there. And he's like, things are good. Thanks. It just felt short. And I imagine he's probably got some sort of management on his team that just says, don't talk to anybody, right? Oh, I'm sure. Now, he's the, he's the one that he knocked up the secretary there, right? Yeah, and he's got good teeth now. Yeah, he does do that. So, wait. So, he was gay with Joe, but he knocked up the secretary? Yeah, he knocked up yeah, the secretary. He, and she's not much yeah, to look says at. Yeah, he says he wasn't gay. I don't know who's better looking, Joe Exotic or the woman he knocked up. Well, shit. I don't know. That's a hard road to pass. But. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, <laughs> is little Ricky still with us, I wonder? I wonder who's got little Ricky, man. <laughs> I wonder. 
I wonder where that that monkey's seen it all. Oh shit! Yeah, he, he has. He has seen. You know that could have. That's where Corona could have started. It, yeah, yeah. Semen. It's and, like and the monkey. monkey the monkey. Monkey sex. Oh, what? What you means hell? Means hell. You know you can't trust a monkey. No. There's a few things about a monkey or an ape or anything like that. You can't have them around anybody their size. You can't have them around kids or midgets. <laughs> <laughs> Little Ricky couldn't be around a midget. Because they're going to fight this motherfucker, and they're going to win. <laughs> Grab him by the balls. <laughs> and then in the tattoo shop days, when the YouTube was early on, you had some downtime, and you had a bunch of guys around, so you figured out ways to entertain yourself with funny videos. Yeah. <laughs> there is more videos of fucking monkeys fucking other species on the internet than you need to get into. Monkeys <laughs> fucking frogs, monkeys fucking goats. Monkeys fuck? fucking other selves. <laughs> what are you watching in there? No shit. I don't know, man. You just try to put words together to see if it exists, and it does. <laughs> and it does. That's that is one. <laughs> that is a guarantee with the internet. If you put a, a random set of words together, nine times out of ten, you're gonna get something back. Yeah, I used to play it with the kids. Uh, I, I've raised three boys, man. I've got a twenty-three year old, a twenty-two year old. And a senior this year is just about 18 in about a month. Mm-hmm. That kid was born on the year of 9-11 and graduates a COVID graduate. Man, it sucks for him, and I feel bad for him. Yeah, seniors are getting and my, this year. My middle one's a Marine Corps out in San Diego, and my oldest one's here in town. Um, I don't know why I got into that, something about it. but um, They're putting, words, putting words together. Putting words together. Oh, yeah, and see so we, used to play, we used to play a game and go uh, – Put two words together that you can't find a picture of on an image search. And you say, like, bee penis. And sure enough, there's a picture of a fucking bee penis on the internet somewhere. <laughs> hey, I'll give you an update on John Finley. Men's, Let's hear it. Men's Health done an article on him. Oh, yeah, that's that's what I think of. Oh, it's a, the pillar of health nowadays. Yes. <laughs> he is living on a, he's living in a hotel off of I-35, which means... A meth house, probably. And he's got the love of his life. Not and, Joe? Nope. And he's found happiness with his new partner. Usually when they say partner, it's the same sex, but it's a woman. But he got his teeth fixed. But yeah, the producers of Netflix chose not to show him with his teeth fixed because it's all about ratings for them, not the people they hurt. So I guess he's hurt yeah. by all this, his, his famousness. So. He should have just owned it, right? You know? Yeah, he could have like, he'd have been better off if he'd have done yeah, that. Dude. Now I got this woman. I did all that. Bang bang, shoot a couple off in the air. <laughs> so did you know, know? Did you know that they were filming this when they would come into you? They weren't filming. No, anything. not at all. He filmed everything. Oh, right. he did. Joe had like a crew with him almost. Not a crew, but he documented everything back before. It was even a thing. He was making videos of his music and his magic and his road show. And so there was always a camera. Yeah. And a God, dude, there's got to be some fucking tour bus footage, right? I think all that burned up when they burned that building down there. Because they said they lost all kinds of footage they had. Yeah. Yeah, that was all weird, too. Yeah, was he an ordained minister or did he just wear a collar for when he sang at that funeral? Oh, he was. I think he was ordained. That's easy enough, man. I got ordained as a tattooist. I did a couple weddings. What now? You did what? You did what? 
Oh, I got ordained as a tattoo artist. But I became an ordained minister back then because I could do biker weddings. What is that? What's the scene at those things like? Oh, man. I don't know. That's a weird world. That's a scary world. Yeah, I can imagine so. I wouldn't want to fuck I up went, on one of those dudes. I went into a clubhouse once for the Avengers. They're up there with all the outlaws. And back then, the Avengers were one of the you know top five original hard. They were a south, uh, Southeast hardcore biker gang running meth back in the 80s and 90s. And they have a clubhouse here in this Benton Harbor town. And uh, I worked with one of them, and he was a tattooist named Shade. Shade is still alive, man. I saw him at the uh, doctor. He's an old, he's old and dying and just years of drugs and alcohol and pills just wrecked this old man. But he was tough. And it was a tough world back then in that in that whole tattoo thing. So anyhow, the Avengers came in, and I tattoo them every once in a while. And then their big boss, this guy named Dancer, was going to be in from down south. And they invited me out to the clubhouse. And at the time, I thought, this is a good idea. Let's go check <laughs> this out. Now, this is before the Sons of Anarchy days and all that bullshit. So you really didn't know what went on. You just knew these were bikers, and they were nasty. And in the 80s, there was a big shootout in our community, and there was something like a 1,000 rounds shot. Ooh. And the FBI surveillance and the DEA and everybody was, you know, swarming this community, I guess, uh, back a long time, you know, in the 80s. Real hard for the Avengers and all over the country. So I take my wife with me on this adventure of, of all things. <laughs> you going down together. <laughs> and uh, and she's a musician. She tours. She goes down there in Texas, does a South by Southwest tour, and all over. She's she's real talented. So we go and you knock on the door. They know I'm coming, of course. And it's a cinder block building. Cages over the windows. Windows painted black. And then the whole back half is covered in this fucking 10-foot-tall fence with barbed wire and the whole shit. You can't see nothing. And the door is a steel door with diamond plate over it and a camera. And you knock. And you get clearance. And they let you in. And as soon as you come in, that big fucking steel door that you just went through slammed shut. Mm. And your cell phone, and this is before camera phones or anything, but it was just like, you know, uh, your razor, your flip phone, your cell phone, your wallet, whatever you fuck you had went into a bucket, and they patted you down, and during this whole time, you're in like a containment area, and then they buzz, and you go in another sealed door into the clubhouse. So here's the deal. You're fucking in that clubhouse. Yeah. There's no way out. There's no way in. So, however the fuck it goes, it goes. And I'm a good artist, man. That's what it was. I'm not a tough guy. I went to Catholic boarding schools. Like, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Next thing you know, you're in this fucking clubhouse with bikers and prospects and you're locked in, man. It was a wild experience. Everything went just well. My wife went and got a guitar out of the car, and she sang her fucking heart out to dance her. And uh, <laughs> we had a bunch of whiskey, and 
made it back home. But I don't think I go in there today as a forty-eight-year-old man. There's no fucking way. I I wouldn't go in there as a twenty-eight-year-old man, especially not with my no, wife. I did. We but, did. <clears throat> I couldn't do it. Were you? Uh, how? How long are you on edge in there, or are you at all? Uh, you know, I was for just a few minutes, and then I relaxed. And I don't know. You're on edge the whole time, right? I mean, let's. I was a Navy guy, whatever. Situational awareness is always a thing, you know. And I, did I feel uneasy at any time, or like, did my hackles go up? Did something set me off? No. Mm-hmm. But but did I go, man? This is just what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> How- and I did it. And it was all right, but it was an experience. And then a few years later, you're watching Sons of Anarchy going, man, that's, that's fucking real. And that was in the meth running tribe over there, tattooing all these fucking guys. I used to keep a gun strapped underneath my feet in the tattoo shop, and so did all my partners because of that sort of shit. You fuck one of those guys up, or you're tattooing one of their old ladies, and he doesn't like it, or you're tattooing some man fucking 18-year-old daughter who has every legal right to sign for himself and he's drunk and doesn't fucking like it or his ex-wife and you're covering his name up like who the fuck's gonna walk in the door next right right so we always we always kept straps in the shop but thank god nothing ever really every i threw a couple fathers out that would come in and raise shit they'd hear their daughter was in there and you'd look at the girl and she would just be a upset and you'd be like sir you gotta leave man it's her fucking rights and you're out of line this is my business she can go with you if she wants but otherwise get the fuck out of here you know and they'd listen most of the time yeah and you always felt bad for the girl in that situation you know what i mean like she's getting a little stupid anchor man get the fuck out of here why are you gonna the fuck out of here hey what's the uh did you how many have you done a lot of name changes on people when they their ex-spouse oh yeah so we used yeah. to, we used to have a guy that lives in this little town. We did, and he had a, another lady's name wrote on his arm, and I used to fuck with him, his wife, all the time about it. And, and yeah, it was Lisa was wrote on his, yeah. his arm. I'd say, "Who's Lisa?" Oh, it's his ex wife. I thought, "God damn, well, if you marry somebody, you got to get that name taken off." Yeah, it's not That's hard. A, it's it's a death sentence. It's uh, I'm not a hocus pocus dude, but there's a couple things in tattooing you just don't do. You don't put somebody else's name on it unless it's your fucking kid. Right, and if you put your wife on it or somebody else, you're gonna break up. It's like a death. <laughs> it's like a hocus pocus. It's hocus pocus. So there uh, was an old uh, man. There was a, a famous painter who painted uh, things back in the fucking forties or fifties. I can't think of his goddamn name now, but he did one, and it was a picture of this. Now remember, tattoo has been going on for a long time in this country. On the eastern seaboard, it was a big thing. And those guys didn't wear gloves. They mm. didn't have paper towels. They had a bucket with a fucking rag. You know what I mean? Tough. That's nasty. The sticky blood. Like, it was a fu- I couldn't imagine what the fuck they were thinking back then. Ugh. But there's a picture, and uh, this tattooist sitting on a bucket or something. He's got this bloody rag over his knee, and he's tattooing this sailor. And the sailor's got probably eight or ten names on his arm. Boys, let's say he has eight, and the first seven are crossed out. He's putting <laughs> the next one on. And each one's like a different name. One's like uh, some Hawaiian name. One's a German name. One, like, he's been to every fucking port, right? <laughs> and got these girls' names tattooed. And it's a classic, classic fucking painting. 
and it was so good. And it's like, that's how it goes, man. So what's the go-to move if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I need to cover up this name? Do you, like, do some big thing around it, or how do you, how do you try to hide it? Generally, generally, you would have to do something big to cover it up and do a good job of it, you know? Um, it, it was a creative thing at the time. You'd figure out a way around it, add a couple heavy lines into the other area, use it in the background. You just try and try and do your best with it. It, it was always a compromise. How about that? They'd have a big name on their fucking, on their neck that said, all, what was that song, Riding Dirty? Oh, uh, uh, it was like a rap song, Riding yeah, Dirty. Yeah, Riding Dirty. And this guy came in, he had it, and it looked like somebody at the trailer park stitched that motherfucker in his neck. <laughs> and it, But the thing is, it was spelled wrong, Ridden Dirty. <laughs> ridden, I mean, and that wasn't the guy on the bus for Joe Exotic, but he had Ridden Dirty on his neck. <laughs> and uh, you had to cover it up, and he's like, yeah, I want a flower. Well, you know a flower's not going to work, man. you got to have something dark and heavy. Yeah, just... I don't, know. I don't know. I don't think I ever did anybody bad in all the years I did it. I always tried to be conscious of it. And, uh, but a lot of people make some fucking mistakes, man. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, and at the same point, we all make mistakes, you know, and you just go on. I don't think it's a big deal, but. The spelling's a big deal. The spelling is always funny. You see some of these people that have it and fucking spelled wrong. Yeah. How does that happen? Oh, I don't know. I, Jesus Christ. I like the what is it? No, no regrets. Yeah, no regrets. No regrets. <laughs> no regrets. and dirty. I wonder if somebody got that after the, after that movie came out. Just put no regrets on me. I know it's spelled wrong, but just do it. You know how many Joe Exotic tattoos are out there in the world now? A bunch. Oh, uh, absolutely. From now, from the past three weeks, there is Joe Exotic tattoos all over the place. We're looking at a picture of Joe Exotic. He's got his shirt ripped open. Yeah. His God. bullet holes are showing. His bullet holes are showing. Yeah, I did that. Okay, you see the. You see, he's got eyeliner on, right? Yes. Always. That's not eyeliner. What is it? Tattoo. tattoo. That's a tattoo, buddy. That's what my. That's what my wife does. She does that permanent yeah, cosmetics. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, yeah, we did that. He was a. Um, well, he's a stage man. He was a magician and, and a. Uh, a guitar player and singer, right? So all stage people have to put on a little makeup before you get on stage, right? So he got his shit permanently done in our shop. So you did that before it was popular. Yeah, we did. Do uh, do yep. you deaden that at all? Yeah, you use um, it's a lidocaine solution, but I don't know. That's gotta fucking hurt, dude. You're tattooing the what's called the lash line. It's where the lashes grow out of, like yeah. that little area. And you have to roll their shit out, tattoo on their fucking eyeball. That's crazy. Yeah, my wife. My wife does. That's what. That's what she does. She does a permanent uh, cosmetics. With Joe. Joe oh, I had gotten a bunch of that stuff. Yeah, I, I gotten. A, I actually at one time owned a very high end, like a uh, permanent cosmetic rig. My mother in law retired from a from a literature teacher of thirty six years at a high school and was a scholar-type woman. She's like, I could do this. I'm retired. I want to go. And paid, like, um, a fee and flew to Florida and took a class for a week. And with the fee, got all this equipment and came up here and tattooed mm -hmm. makeup and lips on all these people around here and her friends and stuff in the retiring community and then gave <laughs> me this equipment. And I sold it on She's like, I don't want to do what you want. And we just sold it. I, I would never get into it. I'm glad to 
It was a great 10 years tattooing. I'm glad to be away from it. The lips are what is just blowing Brutal. my mind to do. I, I so just your wife couldn't... does that. Yeah, yeah, so you've seen it, the swelling and, like, the redness and just that that skin's like tissue paper, man. Yeah, my wife had a lady, actually, that she did, and... Um, we are really talking about women's makeup stuff now? Yeah. We but, hit rock bottom We were here. fucking talking about... Well, we have, haven't we? We talking yes. about gay sex earlier. Anyway, she does this lady's, uh, she does this lady's work, and the lady messages her the next day, just blown away that... She woke up and there was blood on her pillow and could not believe. Oh yeah, it's like you got a fucking tattoo on your face. What do you expect? You know, it's not right. You know, it's not even permanent, right? Because they use right. like less than permanent ink because styles change. Correct. Yep. Whatever. The whole thing's a fucking mess, man. <laughs> so what? Was, I'm glad I don't have to go through that. What were Joe's magic shows like? Yeah, they were pretty all right. You know, um, he was a. <laughs> What's with magic, tigers, and gay dudes? <laughs> Liberace. Big Freed and Royd. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't one of them get eaten to death, right? Didn't one of the tigers fucking kill one of them? I, I don't think they died. He didn't kill them. I don't think yes, they just I mauled think, him pretty good. I think Siegfried got, got tossed, tossed around a little bit. My brother-in-law, we were in Vegas one time, was walking down the strip, and Todd was real loud about it. He goes, look right there, there, look, look, look. look. Everybody's like, look around. He goes, that's where that lion ate that fag. <laughs> <laughs> it all goes hand in How hand. How is that? I don't know how that all comes together. You know, and then you can buy those big fuzzy blankets that are have lion faces on it. The gays must like those fuzzy blankets. The, the funny thing about this whole thing with Joe is, is I just read he's still married to his fifth husband. There's women out there that can't get one husband, and he's gotten five. Yeah, and a couple of them are good looking men. That one. Not to put myself on that line, his new husband, the last one was like a nice looking dude. He'd be a model or something. Yeah, I guess they the like one stinky with the balls. Hair? The one with the because we just we just looked at a picture of uh, it, who was it? It was Joe, John, Tra- and, and the dead Travis. Travis. and the yeah. dead guy. Yeah, Tra- yeah. Travis was a nice kid, man. What all did he have you do, Travis? I don't know. He was just he was just the he was just the good looking one. Did any of the like, kids? I, I never saw him do a bunch of anything. He was just kind of like Joe's piece you know his sugar his arm sugar. but but what tattoo yeah, what sugar, tattoo was sugar. Yeah, his eye candy oh he didn't have a whole ton of them there was another dude that traveled with him that looked a lot like trap travis but he only made it one trip around and he was another one where i had to put a book on his dick because he got i think it was the southern cross you know the constellation that's on the australian flag mm-hmm that's a bunch of stars, and he got that put across his whole body, and it started like at his clavicle and ended at his ankle. And along the way, I think there was like a waistband of him, you know what I mean? And it was right down in his inner thigh up by his fucking gooch. (laughs) (laughs) Did did any of the kids that were the new guys that they picked up in Des Moines or wherever, did any of them ever act like they were scared to hear they wanted out of that lifestyle? or Not at all. Sucking Not dick and doing meth, man. What else do you want if you're on the I road? I mean, it could be better than a little town of 250 people and an abusive dad and a mom that's fat and eating McDonald's. And, you know, who knows what got those kids out of there. But the tiger guy shows up and gives them some love <laughs> and fucking on the road they went, man. I don't know. Ended up in L.A. The next thing you know, they were working the streets. This is the most fucked up thing we've talked about because, listen, this is great stuff and this is what's going on. Have you seen the movie American Honey? 
No. It's on Netflix, and it's got the who's the who's the kid that was in Holes? The Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. He's a weird fucker. Oh yeah. And he's got these kids, and he gets them, and, and they sell magazines, and they go they ride in a van all across the United States, and that's what they do. They just go in this town, and they pick up these kids that are down on their luck, and they end up going with them, and they're dope and fucking everybody, and. But it's a real dark movie because you feel sorry for the kids because you're thinking. Well, it's like a dark the, thing, man. Yeah, that's the best they can do to get out of there. Now, when some girl's selling her ass to some guy, you don't think that bad of it. But when some kid, when some kid is, you're thinking, that poor fucker. What the <laughs> hell? Yeah, what happened there? Yeah, no shit. Fucking petting a tiger, and now you got you, Joe. Joe's humping on your ass. Um. Yeah. Brandon sent I don't me. Know. A- I don't know how that goes about, but you know, there's a there's obviously. So it's something that's been going on, I think, forever, though, right? The carnival, the two, they were all kind of, like, sideshow-ish. Yeah. I just always felt like the carnival was in town, you know? It was a lot like that. See, and I, I always get creepy when the carnival comes to town. I always get this weird vibe. What what kind of money did people pay to get in to go to these things, to pet these tigers? I think to get inside of there and pet a cub and get a picture was probably 65 bucks, 70 bucks back, you know, Fifteen years ago, let's say, and they're probably were getting twenty, thirty people a day to do it. A fucking thousand, really? That many people were doing this. They were making. good They were money. lined up for a weekend. You know what I mean? They'd have lines, twenty, thirty people. I mean, who didn't want to go get a picture with a tiger? Man, everybody wants to pet a tiger. Ah, it actually, would be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, you could you could go down and get a fucking professional photograph taken with. You holding a tiger? Did his ass? It just doesn't happen. Did you ever hear him sing in person? I never heard. I I've never heard him sing in person. I've seen the magic show. Well, his video though, they say that's really not him singing because when I was watching the deal and I was couldn't turn it off because it was like a fucking train wreck, and I thought, you know, this dude sings pretty good. That's the best part of his deal. And then someone said that really wasn't his voice, but his music videos were the classy ones, blowing Carol Baskin's heads off and shit and. It's so classic. I never heard of Carol Baskins till I never heard of Joe Exotic either. Like I said, Tony has, but I hadn't. So you have have you seen the internet fodder with the picture of uh Carol Baskins' husband being compared with uh Joe Exotic's partner at the end there that came in to buy out the ranch? Oh, that uh Jeff guy? Yeah. That uh, he is Carol Baskins missing husband. <laughs> So if you look on the internet and find the picture, they do like, you know, the forensic picture of the two of them. It might be the fucking guy, dude. That's Carol Baskin's husband. <laughs> that is a weird, I tell you what, that whole, that guy's a weird fucker too. And he's building a big old zoo right next to, uh, what's the, what's the casino over there? The big one? Windstar. Windstar. Building a, he's yeah, building he was, his zoo. Honestly, he was the only dude that gave me the creep. He was a weird, show. he was a weird dude. I mean, a weird, weird guy. Yeah, he gave me the creeps. What? Anybody, anybody, I don't know. That that whole lifestyle, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, and you got your wife and your girlfriend, and you're trying to get your girlfriend pregnant, and your wife's helping you do it. And If you got a man and you got rhinestones on the pockets of your jeans, Something oh, there's something going on. We had a guide working here that we're fucking, we used to call it, what do we call it? Mom Bedazzled. Jeans? Bedazzled. Wearing his mom Bedazzled jeans. jeans. Yeah, that's just not normal. You should have just tripped him. And hopes that he hit his head. <laughs> well, he, he didn't last but one season. Did uh, yeah, he can't last? So Brandon sent me a picture. You've got a you've got a seagull tattoo. 
Yeah, that's my alter ego. <laughs> what is that's that? That's me. That's like the picture of me. <laughs> it's a peg leg seagull with a Jacusto sweater and hat on, <laughs> smoking a pipe. <laughs> that's your alter ego. Yeah, that's well, it's not even my alter ego. That's just a visual representation of myself. <laughs> How the and hell? I don't even have a peg leg. How or the wing. hell do you come up with this? I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm a creative. It just comes and goes. And that was a good idea at the time. You, you know what's interesting is you've lived a fun life. I mean, you've seen a lot of shit. There's a lot of fuckers out there that don't ever do nothing. They don't see nothing. Yeah, you they, know, I they go to work. That. Yeah, they go to work eight to fucking five, 52 weeks a year. They bang their wife on Tuesdays and Saturdays. I mean, whatever they do, their schedule is. And that, that hey, if they're getting it Tuesdays and Saturdays, <laughs> let's say something about those guys being fucking champions. <laughs> well, we're both over 50, I, so I can relate to that now. <laughs> I'm not even going to argue, man. Let me be one of those guys. <laughs> but they don't ever do nothing their whole life. It's just the same rut all the time. Yeah. And that's why you know, people like you are, are interesting because you've you've seen stuff, you've done stuff, and... You know, I started out with that. I just always was, you know, we, we when we were younger, we didn't have internet, so we just did shit, you know. And I ended up, my dad passed away when I was young. And at 18, I really didn't have anything to do or anywhere to go. And there was a guy in town that ran a business. I think I, I'm pretty sure I ran cocaine. most of my family did but i didn't know it but this guy up here had a business where he was working with burt reynolds in jupiter jupiter farms jupiter island florida and burt reynolds had a ranch down there they had horses and um all this sort of shit right so the concept was burt was renting he had a also a club down in west palm beach called the backstage it was a uh dinner club, dinner club type bar. And Burt Reynolds would rent high-end luxury cars to stars when they came into Palm Beach. He had a company that did that on the side. What was the name of the place? Burt Reynolds Ranch. No, the the rest, the, the club. Oh, it was called The Backstage. And at what town is that in? That's West, in West Palm West Beach. Palm. Back in the day, back. That was back, man. That was in, like, 91. I got a friend of mine that was his pilot, Burt's pilot for a long time. I just texted him to ask what, him. What, a helicopter pilot? No, he's a plane. jet pilot. Flying that flew his jet. Oh, I flew in his helicopter a few times. With Burt? Not with Burt, with his pilot. Well, he was a... Okay, so anyhow, I ended up down there running fucking cars from Chicago up here. There was Motorola had a headquarters this is early when you get a, ba- a phone installed into your car and had a big bag under your seat and all that and then there was also chicago armored car and limousine so we would pick up cars that just got limo tinted and armored if necessary and then had uh the phones put in and all this and there would be cars that would be done and there'd be three guys they had a boss here in town and we'd get in the car Go to Chicago, we each pick up a car, and then drive it to West Palm Beach in one straight run for 20 hours, 24 hours. Ooh. That sounds like something shady. <laughs> yeah. And then we drop them off at um, Burt Reynolds Ranch and then stay at his condo that he had on um, Jupiter Island. And we'd stay there for a few days. We could eat free at the restaurant 
and then we would fly back up and uh, do it all over again. In the course of that year when I was 18, I bought enough to buy like a 91 4.3 liter GMC Jimmy. It was like a fucking $36,000 truck back then. And I fucking bought that thing <laughs> with the money I made that year. All on your and I just thought I was try. I just thought I was traveling with cars, man. <laughs> and my brother-in-law still will come in. He's older than me. He'd be like, you know, Dirk used to uh, run cocaine from Burt Reynolds <laughs> to like my coworkers and shit. And I was like, I might have, man. I don't know. Whatever. I got stopped by the DEA in West Palm Beach Airport and taken in for questioning that during that, too. Yeah. I had a bag of weed on me. You did? Just just because yeah. of the weed? No, because of my one-way flights from West Palm Beach to Chicago twice a week. One way. So they got to looking at that, and they said, hey, we need to talk to this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? And they were questioning why we were there. One of the guys had way too much cash to travel with at the time. You could you can't carry more than like ten grand, I think, without a, a cashier's receipt, so... Um, or a bank receipt or some sort of shit to make it legal. Um, and we were a few grand over that. And it was a, it was a really wild time to be 18 years old and, uh, running around doing that for, for this, this old Jewish guy. <laughs> okay. So, oh, okay. It started early, man. I've done it. I've done it all rock and roll catering, the Navy, uh, rock and roll catering. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's go to rock and roll catering. What'd you cater? Yeah. Me too. <clears throat> we did uh i moved to chicago when i got out of the navy um which is due west across lake michigan from us just about straight west uh 90 miles up by car when you go down around the southern tip of the lake and so it was an easy place to move i got out of the navy moved over there and i worked for this woman named debbie sharp um very well-known lady she owned a comp about four or five restaurants at the time in the city now she owns a little uh place called goddess and the grocer but she has a company called that still exists called Eat Your Hearts Out Catering, and it was L.A., Chicago, New York, London, were her primary offices. She used to work for Adam Ant, and uh, well, he's a strange and the fella. G's. <clears throat> so it was like so. Anyhow, I worked for this lady, and would do catering, and so the the New York crew would carry him to Chicago, a band, and tour with them, and feed the bands, and um, fill the buses with all their, you know, riders and stuff. And then from Chicago to like Denver, you would go and ride that one. And the LA crew would fly into Denver and pick up and go from Denver to LA. So the band had Eat Your Hearts Out catering with them through their whole European and North American tour. And it was a contracted deal through Debbie Sharp. So I ended up working at a restaurant. We got along. Um, and I was on tour immediately. Cool. And we worked for the, we did the Stones uh, Voodoo Lounge tour. We did uh, Rob Zombie, Ozzy Osbourne, Black Sabbath, Pantera. Whoa. Um, two, uh, 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 um, Sugar Ray, Enrique Iglesias, the <laughs> slickest motherfucker on the planet, <laughs> and uh, a couple others, man. That story of Enrique Iglesias was the funniest shit, you guys. What is it? So, we pull up, we're at the United Center in Chicago, I think, and we're in the back where all the loading is. They're loading up the tour. They get done with the show. Enrique goes right down the hall to 
like meet and greets and there's all these teen fan clubs and all these fucking horny mom fan clubs and fan clubs. But this young Mexican couple in their twenties just sits and waits in the arena. Everybody leaves. They wait an hour or two. Man, half the stage is gone. And they just waited long enough that it just relaxed that they could walk on the stage, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're walking. And we have to wait until all of the buses are gone. We're the first ones in. Because we have to set up food. We're going to feed them before they get there. We feed the roadies and uh, uh, like a food truck. So we're the last ones out also. So you have to wait for all these people to get on the fucking road and go. So these two are waiting. It's a man and woman. And all of a sudden, Enrique comes out of a meet and greet and comes to cut across the stage to the other end where there's more dressing rooms. And uh, they come running. And the girl, like, climbs, jumps, climbs across a, like, touring amp rolling speaker box. And the speaker rolls, and she loses her shit four feet up in the air, heels up over her head, <laughs> and Enrique takes, like, three quick steps and grabs this fucking girl and sets her down like a cloud, Just... gentle as can be. <laughs> and I've never seen anything like it in my life, man. I have fucking watched these two, this couple's crying. And I was like, God damn it, man. How, how in the fucking world can he be Enrique Iglesias and then, like, swoop in and catch this bitch on their way down? Fucking Superman, what it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what. I'll give a, that was a memory that, oh, oh, that's one of those moments, man. Some guys, <laughs> some guys fucking have it all. And Enrique Iglesias, he's, he's got good looks and fuckers at the right place at the right time to save the day. Did you, did you does get he a, have a Does he have a U.S. passport, though? Probably, I don't know. I don't know. Do you I'll keep my ugly ass in my US passport? <laughs> did, did you have a did you meet a lot of the different singers or entertainers? Yeah, throughout the yeah, cuz you'd be with them for a few days and um sometimes they'd be there 4 5 6 hours before a show, you know, just the way the tour goes and um so they kind of wander into the cooking area and you know, they're with the same people all the time and we just kind of like Tony Iommi, the bassist for Black Sabbath, was really personable, quiet, nice guy, came in, was thankful, would eat in our area rather than like in his bus or someplace else private. He would eat with us and kind of hang out. He was really fucking cool old guy. Um, Rob Zombie, same sort of thing, quiet, didn't say a whole ton, but he would come in and check out. He'd be like, this fuck's great, you guys, you know. Um, his wife's you. hot. Oh my god, dude! Are you kidding me? <laughs> you don't think she's hot? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, she's smoking yeah. hot. She is smoking yeah. hot, boy. I can't even deal with women like that in my head anymore because it's just like, uh, oh man, it's depressing, isn't it? He 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 made two of the best movies. I don't know if they're best movies, but The Devil's Rejects and shit. I couldn't even turn the motherfucker off, and I don't even like horror movies. Good movies. Yeah, well, they are. I, I, don't I even... went and saw, I went and saw. Saw them a couple of years ago with my wife in Chicago with Marilyn Manson, and Marilyn Manson is stuffing his fat ass into some sort of spandex and trying to do like sweaty evil makeup, man. And he is just a heart attack patient waiting to happen. Yeah, he's getting big. So, did you? Uh, who was the biggest dickhead you had to deal with as an entertainer? Um, corn. Corn. Our two. Yeah, corn. Our tour left corn. It was the only 
well, I, I don't know what's happened the past decade or whatever or more, but it was the only tour that Eat Your Hearts Out catering dropped mid-tour and walked off. Mm-hmm. Um, the daughter of Debbie, God, I can't remember, her sister, Debbie's sister, this, this little woman, Debbie Sharp, is from London, and she's probably all of five foot two and witchy looking and the egg shape and a foul fucking English cussy mouth <laughs> and tough as nails. And ran, like I said, she ran four of the five of the hottest restaurants in Chicago, a great catering company, worked with the Stones, toured and road managed Adamant and Susie and the Banshees, all these people. And she was just tough and foul and man, what a tough fucking woman. And uh, her sister was on tour with Corn. We started out here and then they continued on. And during that, they were so fucking drug-fueled and such assholes. Um, and sometimes he would sleep on the tour buses, and she was sleeping on the tour buses, and they just, like, she kind of barked at him, like, hey, we've got to get up and make your food in the morning, like, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, bitch, we're bigger than the fucking Beatles. And that was, like, the statement when she said that. She called Debbie, and Debbie's like, get the fuck out of there. Next stop, get off the bus, pack our shit, leave it there. We'll come get you. You're out. And it was the only tour we ever left. Did you ever? Um, did you ever deal with Van Halen? No, I wish I would, man. Quite frankly, Van Halen, I got a sweet spot for it. Always pops off whenever you know, hot, hot for teacher, California girls. Come on. I toured with them one summer. I got to hang out with them all summer long. I got ride on the tour did bus. You? Yep. He's, no, he's good, lying. Good friend of Sammy Hagar's. I went everywhere. He's lying. I used to just get his leftovers. I'm, I'm full. Well, of, yeah. I'm full of shit on that deal. I would. That would have been well, full of I, shit. I mean, as a young guy, fuck. I, Van Halen's my band. I like like the yeah, Stones. I love it. I'm not the Stone. I'm not a Stones fan at all. But you fucking, know, those guys were old. Those guys were old then, dude. That was 20 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. I did that. Okay, my kid, my oldest, was just a year old, two years old, maybe. And they were old then. They'd get off a stage and like with their rider and everything. They didn't want you to look at them. They'd clear out a hallway. You know. Before they even came down, security would come through and make people get out of the hallway. They didn't even want to be looked at. Well, they don't want nobody to you bump never, into them and break a hip. But they came back out of a stage one time, and there I watched it all go down. There was four or five white, you know, just vans, that F-250 van, black windows. Each one of them got off stage. The two doors opened at the van. They popped out. They had robes and a couple of them went right onto oxygen masks you know what i mean these yeah. guys are fucking old dude they come off a of stage to a health medic team <laughs> every so- show but they tear it up man ozzy can still fucking do music he can't even talk no he can't and and he you know he could have been the original corona patient and he had an old english broad that was tough yeah, as shit was, right? his <laughs> you know uh I saw a picture of Keith Richards the other day, and that motherfucker, he's going to outlive Methuselah. He's going to be 180 one day, and I guess... Yeah, I tell you what, that heroin has, like, pickled him. I'm telling you, you I, saw, <laughs> I saw a picture of Sammy Hagar and Bill Clinton next to each other one day, and they're the same age, and said, well, I guess sex, drugs, and rock and roll sure does make you live better. We're living with Hillary. will just age your ass older and shit, because they're the same age. Presidency ages a motherfucker. You know what? Trump it hadn't. Trump's done well. He looks good. Yeah, he's got more energy. I don't think he's aged a bit. No, he did. Obama aged like a motherfucker real quick, instantly. Yeah, goofy. Turned, he went from like young to a gray old man within two years. Yep. Trump hasn't aged a bit. He don't. He don't miss nothing. He's sharp as a tack, and he don't put up with nobody's shit. And that's why I like him. And that's what that dude. Yeah, you know. You know 
I was talking to Brandon Srecki, you know, today, and I made the analogy, uh, he's Rodney Dangerfield from Caddyshack. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Must be looking, you look good before electricity. <laughs> he came in and rattled the cage of those country club fucking dirty pricks, and they is a clown himself, but won and got the help of the little guy along the way, and he's Caddyshack, man. He's Rodney Dangerfield. He's yep. our Rodney Dangerfield. And they love him or hate him. Those press conferences, these these task force briefings, when you get to the question part of it, it's TV gold. Uh, yes. It's TV gold because he takes it's on to so these good. reporters, and it's just fucking hilarious. I mean, and he doesn't yeah. shy away from anybody. CNN. No, I thought, Bush, I thought Bush Jr. was fucking hilarious when he always misspelled things and talked about aliens and Sodom <laughs> and, like, would duck and dodge that shoe coming at him. And giggle. Bush Bush was fucking hilarious. Now Trump, that's a whole nother level of fun. Trump's Trump's an entertainer. Trump's the guy you work with that nobody wants to fuck with because he's better at fucking with you than you are at fucking with him. They, he yeah, I tell you what. Or the or the new guy comes to work and they're like, Oh, this is gonna be good. Watch this shit. And I'm gonna tell you if they everybody buckle up on twenty twenty because it's coming again. Yeah. There's no other way around it. No. Trump's going to win. He's my God. He's done a great job, and he'll rebuild the con. If this economy goes back in June, by June, he'll have the economy rebuilt by the Halloween. Yeah, that'll be a proving point, right? Yep. Yeah, make America great again. I mean, having, could you imagine having to do this? Every, he's having people up his ass every single day, all day, and then having to go stand in front of the news reporters. And no wonder he's man. I mean, God damn. Yeah. So you you you're a bartender now, also. Yeah, I work at a brewery. We uh. Little little brewery bartend job. What kind of brews do you uh, are y'all known for? You know, we do a lot of lagers and pilsners. Okay, it's a little uh, little brewery. We're right on a golf course, right near the lake. It's um, small. It's a small team of guys that run it. It's real tight, and it's a nice place, man. See, it's a nice place. The the IPAs, I'm not a fan of. I don't like IPAs. You know, too high. Uh, I'm just not a huge beer guy, and like, people are always like, "You work at one of the best breweries, you're not a beer guy." I'm like, "That's probably what makes me good at this job because I'm not drinking it all day long, and I got sharp as a tack." Do a lot of guys that work at breweries they just get high on their own supply? Oh, of course, that's what you do all day long. That's why you start a brewery, right? Yeah, and work at them or whatever. You can have a few glasses. So, what's your drink of choice then? Whiskey. Yeah, you know what? I had a glass of whiskey tonight. I haven't drank much in the past few years as much as I... I mean, I've had my decades of heavy consumption, I'm sure. But uh, as I've gotten a little older, I got a little heart problems, take some high blood pressure medication, and the alcohol tends to tends to uh, be kind of like Russian roulette. You don't know if it's going to make you really sick or if you're going to be okay. It just hasn't worked out with me as much as I age. So, um, But I do love whiskey, so I had one, one your, little sip of whiskey since we talked. What's your whiskey of choice? Bullet or Blanton's, maybe. I've had both of those. I've not had Bullet. You ever, bullet? It's, it's not bad. The old Frontier whiskey, man. It's like a Old West Frontier whiskey. Same recipe that's been around since Jesse James and stuff. Makers is probably my drink of choice. Of oh, it's so smooth, isn't it? Yeah, I, Garrison Brothers is a Texas whiskey, and it's really good. But I think Makers has got a little bit of vanilla or something in it. I, really, I like it better. I'm not a big, big drinker. Yeah. I mean, I'll drink some. I like a mule. That's my favorite drink now. Oh, yeah. The Moscow mules are yeah. good. See, I worked, I'm more of a liquor guy, I guess. But I worked for distilleries. I worked for Michigan's largest, second oldest, oldest uh, winery for 
quite a few years. I general managed the property for that. And shit, Brandon and I did an asphalt company for a few years. And you just do it Brandon, all. Something else. Yeah. Well, how did you know? I just keep keep moving. I get stale. Yeah, this put it in perspective. The motherfucker started out a drug, a drug dealer, <laughs> at eighteen. Uh, yeah, a drug runner, <laughs> and then he was fucking tattooing Joe fucking exotic's husband's stomach. I mean, yeah, that's, I a, that's no, a story. No felonies either, man. Not one felony on my record. <laughs> <laughs> What'd they say about the weed in Florida? Just make you throw oh, it out. You know what? It wasn't even a big deal. They, you know what? I had it in my pocket, and they. I remember they searched all of our gear and our bags and dumped everything out in our shampoo bottles and the whole time i had like an eighth an eighth a little bit of weed in my pocket and they never even came across it oh okay so that's good but we got in trouble for the money yeah and they asked us about a bunch of questions it came down onto my boss in the long run um how much and, cash yeah. did you have on you again you 12 or thirteen thousand? that's a little bit more than that but yeah at one time we got in a helicopter in at burt reynolds ranch and the pilot was the pilot. It was one of those ones that looks like a circle glass on the front and the eye beam coming out the back, those little yes, the old lightweight Robinsons. ones. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool bird, right? So uh we got on it at um Burt Reynolds Ranch in it's right just north of uh Palm Beach in Jupiter Island. We got on this helicopter and flew basically treetops across the Everglades into Miami and like landed on a building and the bosses went down took care of some shit for fucking 30 minutes and we got back and flew back but the pilot of that helicopter was the pilot that flew the film crew from the opening shots of Miami Vice when it flew across Miami's coast no shit yeah, he was the pilot that flew the film crew that filmed that. And he was our, like, pilot that flew off the ranch. That was fucking cool. You see alligators out there and dead fucking cows out there. <laughs> dead cows? You know what's funny about this whole fucking thing is, you're a smart guy. You had to know when you're carrying $20,000 bundles of cash around that this ain't just normal shit. Not on the up and up. Yeah, I mean, I was fucking around. I was 18 or 19. I was a you know, into just a little bit of everything, too. And I just never saw it. You know what I mean? I just never, never saw it. Never made an assumption. I never saw it. You just, you were maybe a little bit naive back then. You just thought, oh, this is what I was doing. I'm sure I was naive. Yeah, I'm moving these expensive cars. He's got this rental, and they've got to get to Chicago armored car and limo and get a phone. And yeah, it probably was. <laughs> did you, uh, did you meet Bert much? I've made a lot of naive decisions, man. <laughs> I made a lot of naive decisions. I, my mother's a German immigrant. Okay. So I ended up, this one of the stories that I'm not afraid to share, but I ended up, you know, going to Germany a lot as a young man and as a child. We were there a couple times a year. We spent a lot of time there. And as I, I was probably 16, and I ended up in Germany with my mom for a few weeks in this little town called Rüsselsheim, where Opel Car Factory was. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could walk to town and you could drink. And I wanted to go through town and go to all the old brewery restaurants, places, the bars, and get a, a mug from each one of them and have a beer. And I ended up all the way down at the far end of town. And the last beer I ordered, when I ordered it, I suddenly realized I was in a whorehouse. <laughs> right? And I didn't get it until right then. Like, I came in and I looked around and there was a red velvet curtain 
of the door that I walked in from the street into this darkly lit place with the stairs that go up the back with the velvet curtains. And then I turned around, there's a couple of ladies on these low chairs and I turned around and the ladies there and I ordered a beer and I got so fucking nervous that when she poured the beer, I ran out the front door. Uh, <laughs> I bet you've regretted that since that day, haven't you? That could have been a hell of a story. I sure have. Yeah, as a growing man, I think I probably would have had been a better story if I would have lost my virginity in a whorehouse in Germany. <laughs> that would be a classic. I'm telling you right now. That would be a topper God, right there. Yeah, you know, you can only give kids so much advice, right? My dad didn't get me that far in life. <laughs> <laughs> Were they good looking? Um. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't think it was too bad at the time. I was just, man, I was so fucking nervous. <laughs> what, how, how, old, how old were I you again? 16. Probably 16. Oh, yeah, man. You pass up so many opportunities you don't realize you had till you get older. Yeah, that was, a, that was something, you know. So Are they nude or are they walking around in lingerie? No, they were walking around clothes, but you just you knew it right away. And then, yeah, you just knew what was going on. As soon as I put my head up and figured out what the fuck was going on, there was no question about it. I, you know, that's that at 16 though, like I'm thinking back to when I was 16, like you, I could stumble into something like that. I'd be like, I think I'd be like you in that situation. You look up and you're like, this isn't adding all up. Right. This is not yeah, adding uh, up. All right. Okay. Uh, um, uh, uh, um, <laughs> and I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> gotta go. Yeah. She turned to pour the beer and I split. <laughs> I could remember, I've memorized this little space, so. That was kind of, that was, that was me. But yeah, I think, you know what, I, my dad was really uh, adventurous. He was born in like 26 in Appalachia, you know, joined the Marine Corps young, was in World War II, fought in Korea, came back, lived in L.A., had multiple wives. One of them, he never divorced and split on that lives in your state down there in Texas. I talked to her a few years ago through a genealogy report. I found out my dad had a wife that was down there, mm. even though he married my mother. And he, this woman said, your dad was smart and wonderful and all these things. And he woke up one day and he never came back home. He went to work and never came back. I never always wondered what happened to him. Wow. <laughs> so like, and my granny was an Appalachian woman. She probably had four or five husbands, you know, I've been monogamous and happy with that, but I think there's kind of like spirit to like keep restarting and whatever. I wish I would have picked a stay in the Navy and I'd be retired by now, you know, but there's a whole lot of life I lived along the way, I think. Ah, uh, you've had a great that's, life. That's great. Man, when, when you die, you want people to be able to write a book about your adventures and stuff. And like I said earlier, you're not an eight to five rut guy. And that my hat's right. off to those guys if that's what they want to do, but the world is made by adventures and... I try to live that way and do. I try to do and go and do a lot of different things, and I think yeah. that's what, that's what makes life about. Gosh, I mean, I always tell kids, you know, when you get older, do some stupid shit when you're young, because when you get old, if you ain't got no stories, what do you have? No, what do you have? You're getting old too, man. It starts <laughs> slows down a little bit, man. I yeah. tell you what, I'm going to be the rookie of the year in this duck game next year. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna start hunting, duck hunting. You know, I grew up by my. Uncle was one of the top, like, uh, gun and decoy collectors in the world at one time. His name was Bill Howard, William Howard. He toured all the things and take his stuff, and this was in the 70s and 80s. And My dad and him would fucking hunt in Argentina. I grew up a Ducks Unlimited kid. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, there's an article in the paper from when I was 12. We lived in the house right next door to the Coast Guard station in this town on the river, right next to Lake Michigan, and a marina in town. And I took my dad's little bird gun and went on to the armory and armory national guard base and blasted a duck. And I was 12 and they used to write that stuff in the newspaper. I still have the article and that was my first duck, first and only duck ever. That was it. (laughs) And, uh, so working with Brandon last year. Yeah. I think I'm, this this is going to be my year. That's it. You well, you're you've definitely got some good ammunition to uh, to shoot at these ducks. So that's definitely a right. leg up. Uh, I, stuff is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, right. I, I, uh, I've known Brandon for quite a while, and he is an incredibly innovative, um, tenaciously driven, brilliant dude. That's all that I can. I've never met anybody like him in all these years, and. Uh, always so impressed and just there's so much to learn from a guy like that and somehow or another we've kicked it off and had a really great relationship but uh well when he when he thinks of something like he it's it's 100 miles an hour towards that goal yes and yeah he, he doesn't sleep until you know no until it's right no and there's a lot to be said no. to that and there you know there's and, a and tenacity I think that's, there that's incredible right and i think that's why boss has become what it is it's just people know that he's not going to put out a half-baked product unless it's been unless it's right and if it's not right when he puts it out he'll make it right yes 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 so with this boss thing i popped out there you know what is it a year and a half now october of 18 was the kickoff i think of that stuff and i worked last year doing shipping receiving and pop out there still every week or so and chat and see what's going on until the season kicks back up in the fall. But um, then I went out to Easton with the crew to do the show at the the waterfall convention and just the overwhelming positivity coming from the public that knows this game. I don't know this game that well. And the people who are in the sport just had the best things, man. And then you start learning and you see the, the uh, precision that goes into this and all the thought and testing and um, just, it's an incredible thing, man. It's its such a cool thing going on in this little town with this guy. Yeah. How cool. It really How is cool. amazing. And when you it's get... Amer- it's a Made in America story, man. It's one of those stories that it starts in the garage. Yep. And it is just going to... And it's taking on these big guys that are racking people across the coals. Sounds like a good thing. <laughs> are you gonna Are you gonna go to Minnesota to shot, uh, game fair? Game fair. I'm losing my mind. Yeah, most likely. We talked about it for sure. Well, we're gonna be there also. We'll have to do another podcast when we get out there. Yeah, definitely. That'd be great to to see you guys out there. We've talked about it for sure. I know he's going to want to help. That sounds like it's a real – is it going to happen still? They haven't canceled it. There's still word of all that stuff. I don't think nobody As knows. Of, yeah, I, yeah, I think so much I think so much depends on this next couple of weeks. Yeah, what's the date on that convention? It's uh, August something. I don't know. It's the first or second week in August. So it's still it's still pretty far out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah I'll be out there for that one for sure. I'm hoping for to sure. hell we are. If we're still shut down by then, I'm going to be go fucking stir crazy. Yeah. I'm used to going. I'm used to going to do what I want to do whenever, and this is like being fucking grounded at 16. 
can't do shit. It's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a whole different world. And my life really hasn't changed at home much. I mean, I go to no. I went to the post office today. Went to the bank today. I came to work today, but still, I'm not. It's just a whole different. You can't just go and do nothing you want to. You can't go out and eat. Yeah. You can't. I mean, it's just a. Just feel like a thumbs on us all the time. So hopefully this will get over with real quick. But you have been an excellent guest. We have really enjoyed visiting with you. You're a surfer too, aren't you? Great Lakes surfer, yeah, man. It's a real neat thing that's been going on up here. Do you do that in the wintertime when it's cold and all what that other fuck? bullshit? Usually in the winter, you get the strong big north side of it See? in the wintertime. No shit? And there's a, a lot of big, uh, you know, Red Bull's been doing videos with their whole extreme sports about taking guys from Hawaii and dropping them in the Great Lakes and seeing how they fare in the winter in a 20-foot swell. You really fucking and, uh, surf in the wintertime? <laughs> you thought I was bullshit. Yeah, I what? thought you'd lost your fucking mind. You seriously are getting No, you put on you put on... A really thick wetsuit that's designed for it, and it's you know twenty degree below zero, thirty knot north winds, and fifteen foot swells, and you huck your ass out there and collect <laughs> ice. Of all the things you've said and talked about, that's I thought ninety nine percent of them were cool, other than having your elbow in a guy's dick on a phone book or some <laughs> shit. Yeah, but, it's better but, than being elbow deep, though. Yeah. Huh? But to fucking snu- uh, that that's fucking crazy as shit. Yeah, there's a lot of videos, you know, that when I started doing it when I was a kid and stuff, there wasn't such a community availability on Facebook and all this where you could circle around. And you thought you were the only few guys on lake. You could go up a little ways and know there was waves an hour up. You knew that on this direction, you could go south a little ways. All of a sudden, Facebook comes out. You figure out there's guys in Canada surfing the Great Lakes, all the states around it, that there's pros that are living here and being sponsored by companies across the country. And uh, it really opened the community up. We always call ourselves the Midwest Malibu. It's like the birth of surfing out in the Malibu, California in the 50s, but it's happening here now. But it's, the, it's a wintertime deal then, right? That's just, yeah, that's mainly. In the summer, the winds aren't as no, right. uh North, northerly, northwest, it's a lot calmer. You get a couple days in the, but fall, winter is when it cranks up and you, you do it a lot. A few years ago, um, while I was at the tattoo shop, I was also doing some surf lessons through a local shop and teaching guys, but I decided to see how many days, me and a friend of mine, how many days we could surf on Lake Michigan. And we did almost a hundred days that year. Wow. I think we did a hundred days in a year in Lake Michigan. That's more than places that people surf like San Diego get right. a year sometimes, you know, it's a, it was, a, it's pretty incredible. It's a new thing. And, um, it's become a thing where the guys that are surfing around the world kind of go, well, we've surfed in this place and that place and this place. What's next? Oh, ice surfing in Lake Michigan in fresh water. Let's try that out. And so, not getting your eat ass eat by a fucking shark. No, fuck no sharks. Nothing to poke you or sting you. <laughs> that's that's a good Lots thing. Coho, that's co- you know what? Co- if COVID did anything, I've been coho salmon fishing about four or five days a week, every morning. You know, six in the morning out on the lake at thirty-two degrees and setting out lives and catching some coho, man. And I guess life doesn't get any better than that. The crazy thing is, is I've been to Lake Superior in the winter time when it's fucking howling, and it's a rough yeah. motherfucker around no uh, doubt. around Duluth and stuff. And I just... Oh, yeah. I was there one time. It's incredible. Yeah, and I was like, God, this got to be the most miserable fucking weather in the world. And if I'd have drove by and seen some fuckers <laughs> out there on surfboards, I thought, them fuckers have lost their fucking mind. <laughs> yeah, you'd see them. They're out there. Fucking Fuck. crazy. 
<laughs> I'd be like, you got to be fucking shit, and we got to talk to these guys. Beard it, be- yeah. uh, ice in the beard, and all that whole yeah, the whole ice thing. beard challenge. There's a guy, Dan. Uh, if you look up I- Lake Michigan ice beard, this guy with this massive ice beard is named Dan, and he's one of our surfers from the community, and he wins every year. It's like. It's incredible. But, yeah, ice beards. I have never heard about this, and I promise you in the next couple of days I'll read something about it, and I'll be like, yep, we just learned about that on the podcast. Always <laughs> yeah, happens it'll pop that up. I try and keep up with it and, you know, post it, post it on Instagram and just keep on going, see what happens along the way. It's so, always an adventure. So how cold, even though you got the suit on, like, you still got to be cold. Man, actually, you're pretty, for about two hours you're pretty warm, and at plenty of times I'm overheating and will open my chin on my face mask yeah. and scoop like a half gallon of freezing water into my suit to flush it. Um, like, like because yeah, you can't sweat in those suits. The sweat warms the thing. The only exposed space is like that, uh, that ring around your eyes and nose. Mm-hmm. So that area gets so overheated because your body's trying to sweat because it's a really exerting sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you're, Sweating through this little tiny patch, you get so hot, you'll start splashing your face with freezing fucking water and then open your chin up and take a, like a half gallon in and you'll flood it through all the way down and out your ankles and kind of restart that process because you'll get too hot sometimes. But that only lasts for the first hour, hour and a half. And you go two hours, your, your fingers and your toes will start to get really cold. Now, are they exposed or are you wearing gloves and socks? Oh, gloves and footy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, this is 38-degree water and negative multiple degrees wind or wind chills. And, yeah, it's, it's too cold. You'd freeze to death in minutes. I bet them old-timers that live by there, they looked there and think, what them fucking idiots are doing? There's Dirk again. Yep. <laughs> That's just crazy. Yeah. You're living life, my man. I love it. All right. I love it. It's pretty neat. Pretty neat. Well, we hope we get to see you in Minnesota because that means we're all not grounded anymore, and we can sit down and yeah. do, we can sit down and do one of these in person. But we've really enjoyed this shit. I mean, and I'm glad Brandon got a hold of us, but hard to believe we got Joe Exotic's tattoo guy here. Oh, hey, real quick, it, did Carol kill her husband? Yes, yes, I think so too. Of course, of course. Come on, man. <laughs> I would. You yeah, know what's fucked course. up about that whole deal? Is that cunt's doing the same fucking thing Joe was, Joe was doing. doing? The yeah. same thing. Cajun yeah, cats. Exactly. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. I never thought that, that it would become this. You know, like I said, a week or two ago, you turn it on, you're like, holy fuck. Two days later, it's all over the place. And as you said, the president's talking about it today. So. Yep. And, and, I, uh, and you're the guy that did the bullet hole. So yep. you're, in, the, you're in there in the mix. Smelt like meth. And, <laughs> smelt like meth and butt sex. No, what'd you say? <laughs> Uh, Axe and butt sex. Axe and butt sex. (laughs) (laughs) Dirk, I appreciate it, man. We've gone on two hours here. I know you got better things to do. I really, really appreciate it, and I look forward to uh, meeting you in Minnesota, my friend. Jeff and Andy, thank you so much, and uh, great job with the podcast. And, um, yeah, we'll see you in Minnesota. Thanks Uh, for everything. Hey, thank Thank you. you God bless you, bud. Bye. Yeah, God bless. Stay safe. Oh, a lot to unpack there. I can't wait to go to Minnesota and sit down and do another one with him. He's <laughs> very interesting. I just want to drink a beer with him. That fucker has done everything. When, I mean, he does. When you check off Rand Cocaine, Tattooed Gay Meth Head Tiger Kings. T- went into a biker. Biker, all den. that. 
fuck, I, there was we could have gone on surf with. Uh, I surfed. I meant to ask more shit about the uh, biker thing, but fuck, I mean, there's so much. But you know that's great. The kind of, in, that's great a, interview. That's the kind of life you hang your hat on right there. Sure. That's a, that's you've done something with your life, man. Anybody young that listens to this, if you're not married yet and you haven't started that out of your life, go do some shit. Do some weird shit that you want to do, whatever it is, and go live, man. Life's too short to to be a just whatever you do. Some yeah. people get in a situation where they can't do nothing about it. They get married early, they got kids, they got to continue. And I and I got that. Not everybody can do that type of lifestyle. Right. But man, he's had stories to tell. Yep. Yep. You know, and that's that's what that's what life's cool about because you've done different things. <laughs> Butt sex. <laughs> <laughs> Butt sex and axe. The number one axe show, body spray. Still the number one show on Netflix. Still, it's got a lot of traction. It's make it's everywhere. Yeah, and you know what? The dude's in a hospital, maybe dying from the corona. Go spend twenty three years in prison, and he's he'll never capitalize fuck. off this. Famous as fuck right now. Yep. Never capitalize. Now he wouldn't have to go around just plying pli- these poor. <laughs> yeah, he's got guys kids. coming to him. Yeah, now. now he would be fucking the money guy. Yep. But what a fucked up deal. Anyways, we appreciate y'all listening. We got anything else? We've ran, we we hit over a million people. Yep. In yep. under two years. Um, we've we've got another giveaway going on right now with the Looking Glass Duck Club. Uh, you got to do three things. It's three separate entries. So, if you do all three things, you have three names into this drawing. Uh, the lucky the Looking Glass Duck Club has created a post on their Instagram. All you got to do is share that to your story. Comment in the comment section. Of the post, tag four friends in it, and then um, go leave a review on iTunes. You do all three things, that is three entries. So it is for three days out here with five guys goose hunting out yep. here at the Big Honker Lodge. So we'll, we will draw that on April 20th, and it's coming up soon. So get entered for that. We appreciate everybody listening. Mm-hmm.